Hi everyone, thanks for joining me again today. I want to start by asking this simple question. What are you thinking? Interesting question. Sometimes we may have said that to our children. Maybe sometimes we may have asked that of ourselves. Moments where we stop and say, what are we thinking? And we take a moment to think about the thoughts that we're thinking on. Maybe you've been in a situation and you've seen somebody deep in thought. And in that moment, you've turned to them and said, a penny for your thoughts. That's quite a common expression that we've used, a penny for your thoughts, where in reality, thoughts are worth a lot more than a penny. Some thoughts, maybe not, but a lot of the thoughts that we think really are worth more than a penny because thoughts are very powerful things. That's what I want to look at today, the power of a thought. When we understand the power of a thought, we understand the responsibility we have to steward the thoughts that we're thinking, to look at the things that we're meditating upon. Thoughts are very powerful and important things. Though they're unseen things, they can have powerful consequences. There's many things in life that are unseen. We don't think about, we don't stop to ponder, but they have big ramifications. One would be gravity. How often do we stop and think about gravity? But we know in our hearts, when we drop something, it goes down. Why? Because of this unseen thing called gravity that has very seen results. Or what about air? What about oxygen? How many times do you stop in a day and think, oh, I'm breathing, I'm breathing air, I'm processing oxygen? Now, unless you suffer from a breathing condition where your breathing is conscious to you during any given day, then you don't really stop and think about breathing, how many times a day we breathe in and we breathe out. Yet the consequences of not breathing in or breathing out could be very severe, couldn't they? So when we look at gravity, when we look at oxygen, we look at things that are unseen, but also things that have big potential or ramifications connected to them. It's the same as thoughts. You don't really see a thought, yet all of us are having thoughts throughout every day that we live. I looked online recently and they said that a person, an average person, will have 60,000 thoughts in any given day. I also looked, but they said that 95% of the thoughts that we have each day are repetitive, which means they're the same thoughts that we're thinking over continually, continually reviewing, rethinking. And sadly, it also said for a lot of people, 75% of the thoughts that they think can be negative ones. I'm so glad that when we're born again, we stop being average. We stop having to concentrate on negative thoughts Instead, we can see that, no, God is now with us. God is now for us. That's not negative. That's positive. I believe as followers of Jesus, our thoughts should be not negative like they once were, but now positive because we know that God's plans for our life are real and our lives are in his hands. So it's interesting, isn't it, that in any given day, a person would have 60,000 thoughts how often do we stop and we think about those thoughts that we're having? We need to because every thought 
has an effect on the next of our life. Let me just say, maybe not every thought, you know, will I eat curry? Will I eat um, chicken kebab? Those thoughts will have an effect on the next of our life, but not a detrimental one. But a lot of the thoughts that we think, but maybe we don't monitor, really do have an effect on the next of our life or the thing that we do next. Now, your next thought or the thought you're thinking will determine how you respond to something that's happening or maybe something that someone has done to you. We're living a real life. We're living um, among people where real things happen and sometimes we're treated in ways maybe we shouldn't be treated. Or maybe we're in situations that we didn't expect, things that we can't control. But the thoughts that we have in those situations can determine whether we walk in forgiveness or offence, in victory or in failure. You see, everything begins with a thought. Your next action will be dependent on the thought that you are harbouring in your mind and your response to that thought. Yes, I will do what I'm thinking or no, I'm not going to do that. It's not wise. You see, the next direction that we take in our life is so often connected to the dominant thought that we're thinking. A friend of mine used to say this, and it was a great statement that contained a lot of truth. The dominant thought of your mind will determine the next direction of your life. Think of that for a moment in a negative sense. If a person's dominant thought is addiction or alcohol or drugs, then their life is going to go in the direction of apprehending that alcohol or those drugs because of the thought that's dominant in their mind. In a positive sense, if the dominant thought in our mind is, I want more of God, I want more of God's ways for my life, then that thought will cause us to walk in the direction where we apprehend or go after everything that God's got for us. So it's neither negative or positive. It can be either or. Now, thoughts, even though they're unseen, and apparently we have 60,000, an average person has 60,000 a day, they carry um, the potential for things to happen in our life. Again, good or bad, healthy or destructive. Because a thought could carry innovation or invention, which would lead us to doing things in a new way. How many times do we love to read the life stories of a person, a man or a woman, that suddenly thought of doing something a different way and took that thing that they did to a new level of success? Where did that new level of success start? With a thought, let's do something different. Maybe the thought of courage, that you're in a situation and everything around you is almost encouraging you to quit. Yet then you have this thought, no, I'm going to carry on. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep on walking in the direction that I need to. And because you embrace that thought, suddenly you don't quit and you walk into a place of victory. Where did the victory start? In the thought that you had and your embracing or rejection of it. When you look at things that take us places that we shouldn't go, they start with thoughts, don't they? Think of a fence. 
when somebody does something to you knowingly or unknowingly and then you have that thought of offence, I'm going to get them back, I don't want anything to do with them. All of these things are thoughts. Now, if we act on those thoughts, they can bring us into the direction or place of separation from relationships that we shouldn't be separated from. When we look at deception, you know, every one of us are able to be deceived. That's why we need to live lives committed to reading the word of God. But all of us can be deceived. Where does deception come from? Deception comes from a thought. When we go back to the Garden of Eden and that great moment of deception for Adam and Eve, it started with a thought. The devil came and lied in the ear of Adam and Eve and then they had the thought, what if there's more than God is giving us? And that thought was allowed to germinate in them and led them to that great fall for them, but also for all humanity. Now, you've got to understand that thoughts are unseen but they're powerful things that carry the potential for things to happen in our world. Now, the reality is pretty much everything starts with a thought. The greatest things I've ever done in my life started with a thought. I think of Family Church now, 26 years um, in existence, the lives that we've touched, the communities that we've impacted. Where did Family Church begin? It began when I was driving my car down the M27 and a thought came into my mind. I need to plant a church. God wants me to plant a church. Now, I didn't brush that thought off, but I allowed it to germinate. And when it germinated, it began to grow and it began to produce. And now we see the fruit of that thought in the many lives that have been touched. I'm amazed that the greatest things I've done in my life started with a thought. But also at the same time, the dumbest things, the biggest stupids of my life always started with a thought where I was in a moment, a situation, I thought a thought that wasn't a God thought. It wasn't a God inspired thought. It wasn't a wise thought, but I acted on it, allowed it to germinate and then suddenly found myself in a situation I really didn't want to be in. You see, it's neither negative or positive. It can be either or. We need to be monitoring the thoughts that God inspires in our hearts, not harboring the ones that take us nowhere good. The Bible is filled with examples, isn't it? I think of David. Again, there's a positive and a negative when you read through his account in 2 Samuel chapter 11, that it was a thought on a rooftop that caused him to commit adultery with Bathsheba and have her husband killed in battle. All of those terrible things that David did started with a thought in a mind it said that he was he was on the roof when he should have been at war with his men and he looked over a wall he saw something he shouldn't have seen a thought was born and that thought was then acted on and suddenly an innocent man died and this adulterous relationship began with Bathsheba it started with a thought but then there's that moment when Nathan comes to David and shows him what he's done and in that moment of repentance, David has a thought, I need to get right with God. And he goes to the mercy seat and he says, God, forgive me, take not your spirit from me. That approach to God to make things right started again with a thought. I think of Naaman when you read Second Kings chapter 5. He was that great general. And Naaman was a great general, but he had leprosy. And he sought healing from the prophet. 
and God gave a recipe for healing to the prophet. But when that healing recipe came to Naaman, which was simply dip yourself in the Jordan seven times, instead of saying, that's my route to a miracle, he allowed pride and offense to come into his mind. And he said, I will go in a cleaner river. I will, I will want the man of God to wave his coat over me. What's happening here? Naaman is allowing thoughts that are actually disagreeing with what God had asked him to do. Eventually, because of a faithful servant in his life, he finally accepted that it was God's way or no way. And he had the thought, let me get into the river. As soon as he got into the river and dunked himself seven times, the Bible says that his skin was healed, became like a baby's skin. Now, why didn't he do the baptism in the very first instant that God told him to? Because he accommodated thoughts of pride and arrogance that actually were going to rob him of his life. When you look at the analogy of the story of a prodigal son, again, an example of positive and negative thoughts. That firstly, the prodigal child living in his father's house has, has a thought. Let me, let me go to a far off land. Let me live a life I should be living. Later on, we find him in a pigsty. That was the fruit of the thought that he'd had. Then he has a thought. It says, then suddenly the prodigal son in the pigsty came to his senses. What does that mean? It means that the wayward child had a better thought. Let me go back to God. And that thought acted on, restored his life to the place that he'd lost. Now, we need to be careful about the thoughts we allow to come into our lives and, more importantly, the thoughts we allow to germinate. I heard it put this way once, and I think this carries a lot of truth. You can't stop the birds of the air flying around your head, but you can stop them making a nest in your hair. That's a great thought, isn't it? You can't stop birds flying around your head, but you can stop the birds making a nest in your hair. In the same way, 60,000 thoughts for an average person any given day. You can't stop thoughts coming in. A lot of them, you're not even thinking about them. They're coming and they're going. But we need to be careful not to let ungodly, negative, unwise thoughts germinate in our hearts. You see, at the beginning of anything great or anything stupid we do, there's a thought that we're thinking. We need to be taking time to check the thoughts that are in our mind, the meditations of our heart. I love that, that declaration in the Bible where it says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. Now, what's the writer saying in those words? He's saying, God, let the meditation, let what I'm musing, let the thoughts that I'm thinking and allowing to remain be acceptable. Now, the Bible speaks a lot about managing our thoughts. Here's two key things that it teaches us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5, it says that we should be taking captive every thought. Let me read these verses to you. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war like the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they are divine power to de demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. That's interesting, isn't it? But we take every thought captive. Are you going to take 60,000 thoughts captive? That would be a busy day. I'm talking about those thoughts that have the potential, those dominant thoughts that cause you to forgive 
or to have a fence, to have, um, to have a direction away from God or a direction towards God. Those dominant thoughts, those key thoughts, are thoughts that we need to take captive in our lives and actually bring them alongside God's will. That's what it is to make it subject or bring it into obedience to Christ. It's to take that thought and say, is this a God thought? Does this glorify God? Does this take me in the direction that God wants me to go? If not, I'm not going to allow this thought in my life. I'm going to take it prisoner. I'm going to throw it out. I'm actually going to embrace the thoughts of God in the place of that wrong thought. Another thing that the Bible teaches us is about the renewal of the mind. This would be a whole subject in itself, where it says in Romans 12, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Now, what does that mean? Do not conform to the pattern of this world. It means don't think like the world thinks. Now that you're born again and you belong to Jesus, think differently. Let his thoughts be your thoughts. It says don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. What happens in your mind? Thoughts are thoughts. Uh, thoughts are thought and and thoughts are processed in the mind of who you are. It says, let your mind, that place where you think, be renewed by what? The word of God, so that you're able to approve and test what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Now, it's about being proactive with our thought life. Again, not all 60,000 thoughts, but those ones that have the power to send you on a new direction. We want to be saying yes to the ones that take us in God's direction and no to the ones that aren't. We need to be able to recognize thoughts that were a part of the old man that we used to be and thoughts that are now a part of the new creation that we are. Uh, a great example would be that of purchasing a second-hand computer. This is a great example of a renewal of a mind. If you bought a second-hand computer, you would buy something that had all the information of the previous owner on it. Now, when you open that computer, you have a choice. You can let the information of the previous owner determine for you what's true, or you can delete the previous information that's not true and replace it with new information that is. That's what the born-again life looks like. The renewal of the mind is when we're saying, listen, if there's old information in my thinking, if some of my thinking is stinking thinking, if some of my thought life is corrupted, it's old way of living, I'm now going to allow the word of God to replace that wrong thinking or those wrong thoughts with his thoughts, because the thoughts that I think will determine the direction I take. That's the renewal of the mind. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continued commitment to living in the word and hungering for God's will for your life. Another expression that's often been used is garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, that's true. If you put garbage in, then you're only going to get garbage out. But if you turn that around, it works for the positive also. Truth in, truth out. The renewal, of a, the, the renewal of a mind is when we make a decision, no more garbage in, we want truth coming in now, so that there's no more garbage coming out, but truth is flowing in us and from us. Now, I love the way that Paul gives us almost a filter, a thought filter, I call it, and Paul encourages us 
to be choosy concerning the thoughts that we allow. Let me read Paul's thought filter to you. It's in Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So what is Paul saying? Have a little chart in your life. And when a thought comes in, ask the question, is that thought true? Is that thought noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? No, then take captive that thought and throw it away. If yes, then let that thought germinate in your heart and determine the directions of your life. Let me read you that same passage from the message translation. Summing it all up, friends, I say to you, um, I'd say you do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. What's happening here is we're reading that same verse, but put in a slightly different way to colour it in. Okay, when we come to our thought life, a lot of it involves the source of our thought. Now, here's my question for you. Where are you currently sourcing your thoughts? Now, we live in a real world, even though it's a fallen world. We're in the world, but we're not of this world. But we need to be careful in living in a falling world. But we're not sourcing our thoughts from a fallen world. Thoughts that cause the direction of our life. Where could a person source their thoughts? From media. There's no shortage of social media, TV media, radio media. We're surrounded with people's aired opinions of what's correct, noble, pure, right, lovely. But not all of them are right. So we need to be careful living in this world, but no longer of this world, that we don't let the sounds that come over media determine the thoughts that we think. What about other people's opinions? There's no shortage of people saying, you should do this, you should do that. Now, we can't live or base our thought life on other people's opinions. We need to base our thoughts on God's thoughts. Why? Because his thoughts are higher than anyone else's. Let me read you this verse from Isaiah 55. God speaking of his thoughts. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your, uh, are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, when I first read this, I thought it was God putting me in my place. I thought it was God saying to me, Andy, I'm up here, this is my ways, this is my thinking, this is you down here, like a pleb, like a, like a nobody, you're nothing like me. But actually, that's not what God was doing here. He was saying to us, don't settle for low thinking. Come up and join me in my thoughts. Let my thoughts be your thoughts. Let my ways be your ways. It wasn't him putting me in my place it was me, him inviting me 
to come higher. How do I come higher? By allowing the renewing of my mind. What's the renewing of my mind? When I'm not scared to replace other thoughts, lesser thoughts, with the thoughts that come from him. Okay, how do we access his thoughts? That's an important question, isn't it? God's making his thoughts available to us. But how do we access those thoughts? Two ways. Number one, in his word. When we live a life committed to the word of God, we have external input that gives us his thoughts recorded. The Bible is filled with the recorded thoughts and ways of God. A person that lives in the word, that they're reading it every day, letting the Holy Spirit teach them about it every day, is a person that's continually renewing their mind. But a Christian that never visits their Bible is somebody that's living in the thoughts of this fallen world rather than allowing God's thoughts to come in and powerfully change their life experience. So the word of God is key. Be a Bible reading Christian. But number two, his spirit. We need to understand that God has given us his word, but he's also given us his spirit. His spirit isn't just with us in an external sense, but now his spirit is in us. The Bible says that we have become the temple or the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit and God's spirit now dwells in us. Now, when we talk about the spirit of someone, we speak of the mind of somebody. When you speak of the spirit of someone, you include their mind. When you include their mind, you include their thoughts and their thinking. We need to understand as born again, spirit filled Christians, we now have the spirit of God living in us. But also now the mind of God isn't outside of us in an omni experience, but is also now present in us. If we will take time to acknowledge the indwelling and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we then understand that we have access to God's thinking because his spirit searches all things and is the mind of who he is. And now he's made, listen to this, his mind available for us. If his mind is available for us, his thoughts can become our thoughts too. You say, well, that sounds a little bit good to be true. All right, let me finish by reading you 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things or the thoughts that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So the person that isn't spiritually born again who doesn't have the spirit can't reason or know the thoughts of God but the person with the spirit that's you and me makes judgments about all things but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments for who has known the mind of the Lord that was um, a quote from the Old Testament who can know the mind of the Lord but in this context, it says to us, we can. Listen to what it says. Who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? Here it comes. But we now have the mind of Christ. So we have God's thoughts and ways in a book for us to be studying continually. But we also have the mind of Christ that's in the spirit of Jesus who now lives in us who wants his thoughts to become our thoughts so our life directions 
can be continually changing. So what I'm saying to you is very simple. Don't underestimate the power of a thought. Don't just accept every thought that you think. Think about what you're thinking. Where is that thought coming from? Where am I sourcing that thought that I'm about to allow to germinate? Where is that thought going to take me? What's the potential of a destination of that thought I'm about to allow? Is it from God? Is it from old thinking? Am I allowing thoughts that were a part of the old man that I used to be? Or am I allowing fresh thoughts that come from his word and from his spirit to be the thoughts that are influencing me now? Now, the good news is that we have the power to take thoughts that are not of God, take them captive and replace them with God thoughts. But that comes down to our choice. Do we want to do that? Do we want to see our life go in a new direction? Let me finish with this verse. It says in Proverbs 23, verse 7, as a man thinks, so is he. Interesting statement, hey? As a person thinks, so is he, or so he will be. What the writer of Proverbs is saying is what we've been talking about this morning. The thoughts that we allow to germinate within our hearts that determine the directions that we take next are the things that we need to concentrate upon and say, let those thoughts be God thoughts. Let those thoughts be good thoughts. God bless you.